That's because it lowers your tendency to criticize yourself and instead helps you build up self-esteem. It can even help you become more ambitious and successful in both your personal and professional lives. Life challenge is you. 
constantly going with the flow. Agency means feeling like a cause instead of an effect. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It comes into play anytime you choose to wear a red sweater instead of a blue one, or when you disagree with someone else's opinion. It's your ability to be active rather than passive, to take initiative and determine the direction of your life. The opposite of agency is helplessness, the feeling that you're powerless in the face of challenges, big or small. Sadly, it's something too many of us have adopted on our way through life. This is called learned helplessness, and it stems from negative experiences like being bullied as a child or having an unreceptive partner. With a sense of helplessness comes hopelessness and pessimism, and it can even lead to depression. Fortunately, helplessness can be unlearned, and your sense of agency strengthened. To do this, start deliberately looking for experiences in your life you can make a choice or influence what happens. Make sure to focus on the sense of yourself as an active agent in the situation. It helps even more if the experience feels like a push. For example, it could be deciding to do one extra repetition of a tough exercise at the gym, or assertively restating your point in a meeting when you're not hurt. Think about the last time you felt thankful. Maybe you were appreciating a tasty dinner that a friend cooked for you. Or perhaps it was a more abstract feeling of gratitude, like looking up at a clear sky on a beautiful day. No matter the occasion, it felt good, right? get so stressed and exhausted trying to make sure we'll feel good in the future that we forget all the ways we feel good already. But if you take a few moments to think about it, you'll probably find plenty of things in your life that you're thankful for. The key message here is gratitude helps you get the most out of positive emotions. Thankfulness doesn't just feel great, it also brings a lot of benefits along with it. Researchers have found that it increases optimism and happiness while lessening anxiety and depression. And it doesn't end there. Gratitude also leads to stronger relationships, less loneliness, and better sleep. Along with these benefits comes, you guessed it, greater resilience. With gratitude being so rewarding, how can you generate more of it in your daily life? One powerful way to foster thankfulness is to make it a regular part of your day. For example, you could write a reminder for yourself to give thanks and put it on your desk. You could also keep a journal of everything you're grateful for, or write a letter to a person you really appreciate. Another way to increase gratitude is to make as much time as possible for activities that bring you pleasure. It might not always be easy, especially if you're going through a stressful time, be it relationship troubles or physical illness. Many people also have internal inhibitions that stop them from feeling pleasure. These can make pleasure feel like an unnecessary indulgence, or even create a sense of shame. But embracing pleasure doesn't mean you need to deny the dark side of life. In fact, by accepting that pain and suffering are natural aspects of human existence, you'll find it easier to make room for more pleasure in your life. Try noticing the little pleasures. These might be the sound of music that you like, the taste of your favorite cake, even the feeling of a soft, cozy pillow. The more difficult your life, the more important it is to 
experience and internalize those pleasurable feelings. They're your inner resources that give you energy to keep going. Blink five of eight. Have you ever seen toddlers learning how to walk? If so, you might have noticed that the most eager ones get the right kind of encouragement from their parents. While making sure their children don't get hurt, they also give them the freedom to explore and just enough help that they feel capable and happy. By the time children turn two, they've collected countless experiences that shape how they interact with other people in their lives, as well as with the world around them. These experiences inevitably affect their sense of confidence. The key message here is to confirm your confidence to become more resilient. The most important aspects of our childhood that contribute to our emerging sense of confidence are a sense of stability and security. That's what our caregivers hand to us when they're warm, available, and reliable. Sadly, if your parents were distant or weren't there for you when you needed them, you are more likely to grow up with a sense of insecurity and become less resilient. The lessons learned in childhood can stay with you for life unless you make a conscious effort to change. Fortunately, there are tried and true ways that you can learn to be more confident and secure. For starters, Look for experiences in your present life that make you feel cared for. Any form of caring counts, and it doesn't have to come from a person. It can stand from a pet or a spiritual being. The point is to accept that you are experiencing the feeling of being cared for. By focusing on how this feels on a regular basis, you'll get used to feeling like someone worth caring about, and your inner core confidence will grow. Still, even if you were blessed with a caring family as a child, no one can avoid the ups and downs of life. Luckily, what you can learn is how to properly respond to negative life events. This is particularly important, as many of us don't just suffer from the initial pain of an event. We then add a second layer of unhelpful reactions into the mix. These reactions often create much more unnecessary suffering than the initial upset itself. So, when you find yourself adding fuel to the fire, make an effort to be mindful of your feelings. When you hear that critical voice in your head, try to make a conscious choice to doubt what it says. That way, you'll grow stronger in your self-belief. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Ben Gold, and you're listening to my brand new track, If you're an animal in the wild, there are generally two kinds of mistakes that you can make. First, you might convince yourself that there's a tiger lurking in the bushes when there isn't one. Not the most pleasant feeling in the world. You might get needlessly scared, but no harm done. The other mistake animals can make is to believe that there's no one in the bushes, exactly when the tiger is about to pounce. This kind of mistake is often much more costly. It's no surprise that our minds have evolved making the first harmless kind of mistake, just so we can avoid the deadly one. In other words, we have a tendency to overestimate threats, while also underrating our ability to handle them. The result? A lot of anxiety that serves no useful function and drains us of the energy we need to face real problems. The key message here is, you'll be more resilient if you keep calm. 
A powerful weapon against anxiety is getting to know how it works. By doing so, you can then hack the process to your advantage. It all comes down to one complex mechanism, the autonomic nervous system. It's our body's control center and is responsible for fight-or-flight reactions. It has two branches. You can think about them like the brake and gas pedals of a car. Let's look at the brake first. This is the parasympathetic nervous system. It slows down your heart rate and makes you feel relaxed. When it's at work, you feel at peace and your body recharges. The other kind of nervous system, the sympathetic one, or the gas pedal, gets us ready for action. When activated, it speeds up your heart and sends stress hormones coursing through your blood. As your body revs up, so does your mind. As a consequence, your thoughts can become more intense or even anxious. These two branches work together like a seesaw. When one goes up, the other comes down. In other words, the more relaxed we get, the more we dampen sympathetic activity and the resulting stress. So, to reduce anxiety and increase relaxation, we'll need to learn how to harness the power of your body and its two nervous systems. One easy technique you can use is the simple act of breathing. The parasympathetic nervous system, your brake pedal, controls exhaling, while the sympathetic one, or gas pedal, is in charge of inhaling. Magically, something as simple as slowing down your breath can help you relax and stop anxiety in its tracks. In practice, this might involve you inhaling for three seconds and then exhaling slowly for six. Look seven of eight. Imagine you're having dinner at a friend's place. After stuffing yourself with an amazing meal, you polish off two desserts. Then, your friend brings out a third one, gives you a taste, and asks if you like it. Of course, it's delicious, and part of you is tempted to ignore the fact that you're far too full to have another bite. In other words, you may like the dessert, but at that specific moment, you don't want it. This example goes to show that liking something and wanting it are very different things. Sure, liking can bring you a lot of pleasure, but when it becomes an insistent want, that's when our sense of motivation can lead us astray and eat away at our resilience. After all, if you ate that third dessert, you'd probably regret it. The key message here is, motivation is about desiring well. Resilience is much more than just coping with life's challenges and dealing with stress. It's also what gives you the motivation to go after new and exciting opportunities. But motivation can sometimes come into conflict with how you manage your desires. This is where desiring well comes in. By desiring well, you can make sure you're in charge of where your motivation leads you. This will help you differentiate between things you like and things you want. What is it, though, that gives liking and wanting such different powers over us? Well, wanting is usually based on a gap that you're trying to fill. It comes with a sense of pressure. You feel an urge to pursue the object, even a compulsion. It's no longer just about savoring a delicious dessert. It's desperately wanting every last piece of the cake and more. In contrast, liking without wanting is much more pleasant and satisfying. 
It enables you to appreciate the things you like more fully. There is no fear of the pleasant experience life, and no attempt to hold on to it. Just the joy of the experience itself. Of course, we're only human, and it's natural to want that. The problem is when our wanting starts to control us. The point is not to stop wanting altogether, but to change your relationship to it. One way to help yourself shift the balance to liking is to reflect on the costs and rewards of wanting. For example, you might notice that getting what you want is not always as satisfying as you imagined it to be. You buy that new sweater, and sure it looks great, but now what? The gratification in situations of wanting is often fleeting, and the costs can be high. Just think about the way addiction can ruin relationships, or even lives. What kind of life did you imagine for yourself as a child? Perhaps you wanted to be an astronaut, or maybe a movie star. And what are you doing now? Chances are, as you grew up, you let go of many of your dreams. These days, you may even think of them as silly. It's all too easy to talk yourself out of dreaming, and instead, settle for less. But if you ignore or dismiss your dreams, you could be missing out on a much more fulfilling life. The key message here is, we need to follow our dreams. There are many things in life that get in the way of our dreams. For one, we're naturally influenced by other people's opinions. Think about how the people throughout your life, whether parents, teachers, or friends, have affected your dreams. Do they encourage you, or do they hold you back? If they were dismissive or doubtful, you'll probably find those attitudes still lingering within you. We also refrain from following our dreams because of various fears of what might happen if they fail. For example, you might be afraid of getting into an intimate relationship because you're afraid of rejection. In this way, we let our fears build invisible fences that end up limiting our ability to fulfill our dreams. Such fears are often rooted in our childhood. Everything seemed much bigger and scarier than it really was, and our resources were coping were limited. To start overcoming your fears, choose something you really want, maybe something you've been putting off for a long time, and ask yourself, what have I been avoiding? As you dig deeper, you'll probably come across some very uncomfortable experiences. For example, you might find yourself holding back on taking initiative at work. This probably stems from the fear that your colleagues will judge you. In this case, ask yourself about the actual risks and benefits of following your dream. How likely is it that the events will turn out as badly as you think? How much satisfaction would you get from doing it anyway, despite the risks? Often you'll find that you overestimate the risks and underestimate your ability to deal with even the worst case scenario. With your fears under control, your mind is free to think about the concrete steps you could take toward what's truly important to you. You've just listened to our links to Resilient by Rick Hansen with Forrest Hansen. The key message in these links is 
Resilience is about making use of your own strengths and resources. It's your secure inner core that you can build on by creating positive experiences and incorporating them into your daily life. You can develop your mind's powers to learn how to deal with adversity, stay calm under pressure, and grow the confidence required to follow your dreams. And here's a little bit of extra actionable advice. Mark your progress. To grow your motivation, look for signs of progress while you pursue a goal. Note your victories and achievements, no matter how small. The more experiences of success you build up, the more your brain will feel rewarded. For example, if your email inbox has 50 messages you need to answer, try to feel a sense of accomplishment as you tackle each one. That way, the whole task won't feel so overwhelming, and you can stay in the performance stage.